how do we reconcile that together in a workplace where we're trying to be diverse and supportive of everyone, of clients and staff? We're trying to be extra supportive of everybody's well-being. But what happens when that clashes with two marginalized folks? So that's the short of it. (laughs) Hey, everyone. Welcome to Disrupting Our Practice. I'm Shannon Patterson. And I'm Greg Flynn. This podcast is for white-bodied leadership and organization development consultants, facilitators, coaches, and trainers. This is a weekly podcast dedicated to the exploration of how we practitioners can disrupt our practices, those practices where we are unwittingly perpetuating racism, oppression, and harm. And it's all in service to being able to co-create a culture of equity, justice, and healing so we live in a world that truly works for everyone. Thanks for joining us as we work to disrupt our practice. All right. Well, hello, Shannon. And yeah, and also to our fantastic guests. It's way too long time coming to have you two on. Jenny and Dylan are friends and teachers and mentors from Holistic Resistance. Uh, it's we, I think we mentioned your name probably in every single episode. Aww. So it's, it's really great to, to have you in here. And, and what, I'd, what I'd love to do is give you, all, give you all a moment to introduce yourselves um, and yeah, say a little bit about you know, who you are, what you're up to in the world. And, you know, and then we'll, we'll kind of dive, we'll check in and then we'll dive into a conversation. Who wants to go first? Okay, I can start. Hi. Hi, y'all. It's so good to be with you. I'm Dylan Wilder Quinn. I use uh, they, them pronouns, and I'm here as both a facilitator for holistic resistance as well as a, the founder of Trans Intimate. Um, mm. The work that I do is really at the intersections of my own identities, being white and being trans and non-binary, and really trying to... Um, really trying to bridge for folks the complexities and the need for us all to be in this fight together while we're also causing each other harm. Basically, um, by that, I mean, I do, uh, Jenny and I together facilitate a lot of white caucus groups. So white folks trying to work on our race and racism, trying to take on some of that labor so that folks of color aren't doing all of that labor and so that white folks have a place to go to where they can process when they feel activated on race before they, you know, take it out sideways on somebody else, but try to, trying to build up, um, trying to build up our capacity for doing anti-racism work in an environment, um, that focuses not on judging each other, but, um, building each other up in supportive, but accountable ways. And as we are doing this work alongside, um, actually, I guess I started doing gender education work first Mm. um but what i noticed is more and more queer folks were getting pushed out of the communities i I was a part of in very similar ways um very different ways right we have different identities but in also very similar ways in the ways that um people of color or people of the global majority were also getting pushed out by white folks and noticed really similar 
issues of folks getting really reactive when they misgender somebody or um, really wanting to like process their feelings about gender with every trans person they come up in front of or what have mm-hmm. you. And so, um, which is really similar to white folks wanting to process their feelings on folks of color about race. And so um, we also do LGBTQ consulting, coaching, facilitation. And right now our, a huge focus of our work is on trans youth and supporting the communities that are surrounding trans youth. So mm. parents, siblings, schools, therapists, um, any, a lot of nonprofits. So working with folks who are really at the forefront of trans youth getting attacked right now. Mm. Um, mm. So yeah, that's a little bit of the work that I do. And Jenny is a huge, huge part of that. Um, so hopefully I didn't say everything <laughs> that you wanted to say. <laughs> no that's that's awesome thank you dylan um this is jenny pearl um i use she her pronouns really grateful to be here um just kind of taking a moment to land in the many hours and relationshiping that got us all to this point and i think Mm -hmm. as i come on to this podcast today um a little bit about me is that um yeah, I'm a f- facilitator. <clears throat> I'm a facilitator in holistic resistance and also trans intimate. And those two organizations have really um, informed the way that I see the world as a cisgender woman, a queer person um, who often finds myself in a position where I can um, build connections with other folks who are cisgender, folks who um, are white like myself um, to do some of the work and do some of the labor so that it doesn't fall on marginalized folks. And I really started uh, diving deeper into this part of my own personal work and then started offering and holding space for folks around it more um, from the angle around race. And when I started to see my own unawareness, the way I was causing harm to trans and gender expansive folks, I really wanted to dive deeper into that. And what I started to notice with the help of Dylan and other members on our team was there's so much crossover that the systems of oppression are really not that creative. And so um, those of us that Mm -hmm. hold power over, if we start to have an understanding, um, whether it be around race or gender or um, disability, we can we can cross over and and not. It's not like we're starting over from scratch every time. And so today, as I come here, um, I'm aware that there are other isms and other places that I I can grow. And today, I'm looking forward to being in in this space. As Dylan shared, we um, a lot of the work that we do. Um, does have this crossover between the intersection of gender and race. And so I'm grateful that Greg, you and Shannon invited us in to have this conversation. So I look forward to seeing where it goes. That's a little bit about me and I'll pause there. Yeah. Thanks you too. Really appreciate that. So, you know, the work you're doing is so been such an inspiration for us and, and so informative for us. We've like gotten so much, I think, I think I could speak for both of us. Um, yes. And we'll share more towards the end about stuff that folks can do with y'all because you have 
programs and workshops and whatnot. It's very cool to be able to engage with y'all. But we also we always love to check in. And I'm thinking, Shannon, maybe we'll do a timed check-in just to kind of keep this um, concise. Yes. Uh, if you could hold time, because I don't have access to a timer, actually. I sure can. That'd be great. Um, and I'm just thinking, you know, just a, just a check-in of like, how how are you arriving today? How are you arriving? Shannon, since we haven't heard your voice, would you be willing to maybe um, start? And then sure just invite thing. the next next person in. Yeah. Oh, it's so good to be with y'all. Um, I can feel, I'm struck by like, just starting to feel settled, especially I think being in y'all's presence, Jenny and Dylan, and the time that my nervous system has spent and my heart has spent with you both. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm feeling really struck by, feeling really struck by that. Uh, and yeah, just reflecting on the, our relationship building over time. And one of you said the relationship that brought us here. And so it feels just so wonderful to be bringing you in and um, yeah, being able to share your wisdom with the folks in our community directly. And yeah, I'm just feeling really grateful and present. And while tired, I feel like I have a, a lot of capacity and for today's conversation. So that's where I am in this moment, and I will invite you in, Dylan. Thanks, Shannon. Oh, my goodness. Thank you for that. Are you timing me, or should I? I am. I'll give you the little okay. phone wave. Give me a little, give me a little wave. Um, yeah, physically, my, my sleep has been a little off lately, um, but it's been plentiful. It's just been at the wrong time, so um, <laughs> I feel like both totally fine and also tired at the same time. Emotionally, there's definitely some nervousness in my body being here. Like I, I can feel the like, ooh, this is getting recorded um, feelings. And I think even just in introducing myself and reading um, or sharing some of the work that I do, just like feeling feeling grief coming up. And I don't, mm. um, I don't want to say I don't know the source of that, but I think just the pain of working for racial justice and LGBTQ liberation, like just the pain of um, working across identities is, is really present and means we get to start talking today. So um, that's, that's here with me today too. And it's so good to be with y'all and I'll invite Jenny in. Uh, just taking a breath. <laughs> Thank you, Dylan. I, um, yeah, I'm feeling really happy to be here. And I'm feeling the swirl. I'm feeling like I'm just swirling. (laughs) And a lot of it is um, in transition. Um, A lot of it is like, I'm actually upping my bodywork practice again. So when I first met you, Greg and Shannon, I was also doing bodywork alongside facilitation and anti-racism work. And when COVID hit, haven't been doing that. So I'm kind of swirling between the worlds right now. And also just very aware as we're recording this, that it's um, pride month and just how much is going on. Um, Mm -hmm. All the anti-trans bills, all of the um, media and the ways that corporations are interacting with um, the LGBTQ community. It just feels very um, heavy and it feels like we've gone again, yet again, many times back a little back in time. So I feel Mm -hmm. some of that, um, heavy on my heart as we come in um, together. Thanks, Jenny. Oh, and Greg, yeah. I would love to invite you in. 
I appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you both. Um, thank you all. Um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm coming in. A, I've noticed a little tiredness, but I'm also excited. So I can, you know, I'm definitely here and present and feeling very clear about that. I was noticing some joy in my body because I heard some birds chirping, and I'm forget, I'm not sure which window is coming through. I think it might have been you, Dylan. Might have been when you were talking, and so uh, that that made me happy to hear the birds chirping. I'm also noticing, I appreciate your naming the nerves, Dylan. Like I'm noticing a little bit of that myself in the sense of like being in this conversation, kind of knowing the direction that it wants to go, tracking my own positionality, tracking the, my own kind of anxieties around navigating conversations like this. It's, it's interesting because there's so much of you know, I f- in some ways I feel much more comfortable, which is a weird way to say it, like with having conversations that are like specifically about race. But when we start intersecting, I start getting noticing, even though I feel so much, uh, so uh, feel like the, that the conversation, the intersection, I do so much at the intersection of masculinity and whiteness that I, I notice that turning towards the whole thing, it makes me like, I'm like, Oh, <laughs> you know, I could feel it in my nervous system. So Really grateful. And yeah, thank you for the time there, Shannon. And yeah, glad to be here with you, with you all. Um, Shannon, do you, uh, you want to take it from here? Yeah. Uh, so good to check in and arrive and know what everyone is holding and feeling. And yeah, that listening to y'all made me nervous. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> that's okay. Uh, just, getting present to the complexity, you know, just really getting present to the complexity of your lives and the differing complexity of mine. And the, I think the blind spots that that brings up, which is, you know, exactly why we're having this conversation is to help people see what they can't and to feel into things. And as the three of us were starting this podcast today, you know, we were having a conversation about, oh gosh, gender and its role in racism and oppression and how big and how complex and how many intersections there are. And we were all like, whoo. So, you know, what, what's the, we could go in so many directions. So I think just whatever is feeling most on top for either of you in that conversation, kind of given given where this podcast is intersecting you today and everything that's happening in our country. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know who wants to start Dylan or Jenny with like, Whoa, what, what's a, what's feeling on top that would be good and helpful for, you know, white bodied folks like ourselves that are holding space and facilitating space and designing space and, controlling space to be thinking about when it comes to gender and its role in racism and oppression. Just a wee question. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Do you want to go first or second, Jenny? I can, I can go first since you went first last time. Um, I think some of what I'm feeling is the immensity of gender and its role in racism and oppression, I can feel myself going into one lane of like the ways that my, my own positionality as a white woman 
how I've been pitted against, you know, historically pitted against mm-hmm. black men in particular, but black folks as well. Um, and my word against, I think back to like, you know, Aaron Johnson's done so much in our community around um, bringing forward awareness and, and teachings on lynchings and how many of the lynchings were, you know, a white woman saying, or even just a, a white man saying, you know, um, you did this to my white woman. And so, and then that's literally the murder and death on display. And so that comes to mind, which is huge and a whole podcast series in and of itself. Another piece that comes to mind when I think about gender and its role in racism is the way that in general, the LGBTQ plus community is often not tracking race and historically has left um, folks behind. And I know Dylan, you've, you've shared a lot on just the journey of like gay marriage, for example, which there are tons of gay folks of color out there. We're not confused about that. Um, But the way that, you know, and I'll let you speak to that because I feel like you speak to that really well, but the way that um, white folks oppression has been dealt with in a lot quicker ways than, um, the implications and impacts of slavery mm-hmm. here in America, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think about the ways that culturally, you know, folks of color who are also LGBTQ plus in that community, what they navigate within their own family systems, both navigating oppression through racism, but also navigating coming out as queer in whatever way that that is and the ways that that compounds. So those are kind of the the three today, as you said that out loud, that come up for me um, when I think about gender and its role in racism and oppression. So I know those are really big and I almost just want to like take a breath in a moment to just mm. honor that I went through those pretty quickly. Um, and they're really immense. Thanks, Jenny. Yeah. Thanks for bringing the gay marriage piece back in. Cause I don't, I I don't think we've talked about that in a while. Um, But yeah, I agree. Yes, definitely plenty of gay people of color who want to get married and have that right now. And and something that I hear from a lot of people in activism work is like, one, how, like what you just brought up, Jenny, how painful it is to see any liberation movement that involves white people get passed so much more quickly um, then movements to try to get like reparations, for example, from something that started 300, 400 years ago, right? Like there's still have been no reparations for, um, people who descended from, um, their enslaved ancestors right here on, in the U S and, oh, when I think about like gay marriage getting passed, I remember it was such this moment of joy and grief for me and also for, colleagues of color of mine who are like, wow, that went, that took three years. And I know, I'm not confused. It didn't take three years. But one of the things I also hear from a lot of queer activists of color is they're like, yeah, gay marriage is great, but that's not the end. And a lot of people think that that is the end that like LGBTQ mm-hmm. folks are liberated now. But what we really need is um, for sex work to be decriminalized so that people who have sex work as one of their main options for employment in such a discriminatory discriminatory world um they're not putting their lives in danger economic health mental health um mental well-being and that's that's where we intersect right with white leadership here it's like how do we create workplaces that are actually 
safe for queer people of color, for trans people of color, for queer and trans white folks as well. I'm not confused about that, but when we focus on both queer people and people of color, we make sure we don't erase queer people of color from the conversation. I think a lot about my role as a white person in holding the complexity of harm when it happens, like in a workplace, for example. I think one of the stories most on top for me as you brought that question in, Shannon, was my own grief around a time that as holistic resistance, we were asked to come in and support some conflict in a community of people where um, it was a Black-led group focusing on ending police brutality. And someone came in one day, a Black woman came in saying queer history is not a part of Black history. And she was really upset that queer queer Black mm-hmm. people were being brought into the Black History Month curriculum for her kid's school. And a white non-binary person who was there got really mad and escalated the situation. They got very activated by um, what felt to them like homophobia. And they, they got, they started yelling at the black folks. So then there was this white person yelling at black folks in this, in this group. And we spent a lot of time mediating in that space and more inviting folks to notice the racial dynamic, but we never fully got into lifting up the black queer folks that were in the space as well. And they got erased from that conversation and left the organization shortly afterwards. And I bring that up because that was, that's still pretty heavy on my heart years after it happened because we were so focused on noticing the white trans non-binary person who escalated a fight and, and became and started yelling at black folks in this community Um, which is inherently harmful in itself too. And we were so focused on helping that white person notice the racial component in that, that we lost sight of the queer black people that also needed us to add nuance to the homophobia that was present in the room too. Mm -hmm. Um, So these conversations can't happen in silos and we often want them to, right? We often want to only be able to talk about race or only be able to talk about gender but inherently people most of the um, most marginalized in both groups will get erased um, mm. if we keep doing that. And we can't, whew, we can't talk about this without getting uncomfortable with like, you know, when a white person gets activated around a person of color's sexism or homophobia or ableism or what have you, how do we address that? How do we notice our own activation as well and hold that? So yeah, that's some of, I hope there's, I can, tell there's a lot more in my body, but I'll pause. I'll pause mm-hmm. there. Thanks, Dylan. Thanks, Jenny. Uh, so much. I can just f- feel it in my body and also feeling the um, propensity for white folks to get centered and others to get erased and yeah. how, how much complexity comes into that as soon as, as soon as there's just so much intersection around mm-hmm. identity and need yeah, just sitting with imagining being in that space too is my own in my own positionality as a white cis woman. I don't have a lot of insight in the moment, so I don't know I don't know if we we were talking about a story question, so is there like a way we wanted to enter into that experience that you had in yeah, mind? I was I was thinking this might be a good time for that. Like I think Dylan everything you just brought in was almost you know, an example, but different than 
than what we could bring in and want to leave space for there to be some debrief time afterwards. Um, mm-hmm. And I also want to just name too that, you know, the original question was like, what comes up for you when you think about gender and its role mm-hmm. in racism and oppression? I just want to name, like I very much brought in sexuality as well. And so I just want to name that something mm-hmm. in the LGBTQ community that comes up a lot um, and can be a source of confusion for all of us, like both the the nuance and difference between gender and sexuality and also the overlap and impossibility of taking those two and making them absolutely separate. So I just wanted to name that too, because I don't think we explicitly talked about um, that distinction. So just wanted to bring that in. I'm so glad you highlighted that, Jenny. I know it's been like a thread in my conversations with Aaron, Aaron Johnson from Holistic Resistance about understanding, understanding the presence of sexuality and the inner, how that comes into play. And uh, talk about something that makes me incredibly uncomfortable, but just such a good energy to notice, like where, what's mine, what's others, what, how is that playing out? So thank you for highlighting that and lifting that up as, as a, a piece that's present here too. Just, you know, it's people's lives and not just conceptions of how people are identifying, but it's lives and bodies. And Yeah. I think maybe before we like jump right, jump right into the story question. I think just want to name like a, a couple of quick, like checklist to do's <laughs> for <laughs> folks in white leadership, just based on some of the conversations we've yeah. had. And um, one, of, one of the things that has come up because you brought in sexuality, Jenny, and then Shannon, you brought your own spin on it around with, with Aaron and like, can't separate the personal from the professional and like, one of the things that I've noticed is that when racism happens in the workplace, whether it's something, a small microaggression or a, a massive incident, which unfortunately those are more, both both are quite common or something homophobic happens in the workplace. It is, again, it's queer folks of color that are the most impacted, right? Because they're kind of intersecting. They're kind of having to get it from both directions. And I think about a time recently that I had both the pain and the gift of supporting a a pretty intense incident where a white woman was both being homophobic towards masculine queer folks, right? Which is a gender issue, calling them predators of children, which often happens to us. Uh, uh, Both queer and trans folks of any gender, I think often um, trans women are often the um, called predators of children a lot. I, from personal experience, I've been called a predator probably like six or seven times in my life. Um, Mm -hmm. That trope is like always following me around. I always have to be very careful around how I am around kids. Um, And so this was a school, right? So that's where, Mm -hmm. um, and so a queer woman of color had to both be on the receiving end of seeing a fellow person of color have a really racist incident happen to them and then have um, a queer masculine person we call the child, child predator. And what happened was this queer woman of color was quite amazing. She didn't have anywhere to process those feelings. And so she had to take those feelings home with her. And then her partner was affected. Right. Um, And it was affecting her relationship at home to have these racist and homophobic incidents happening at work. And so I just, I really appreciate Shannon what you brought in around 
like kind of riffing off of what Jenny brought in around sexuality is like as harm happens at work or as triggering things happen at work, those affect our personal lives. And we don't get extra days off as trans and queer folks and extra days off for folks of color when we're having mental health issues related to um, our workplace culture. I wish we did. I, it would be so amazing if we did and we don't. So we have to navigate that mental health kind of on turbo drive. We have to navigate our mental health on turbo drive um, just to function in the same way that folks who don't have to navigate that just to function on the same level. So we're not seen as less than or um, not doing our work or what have you. But um, a few things I've noticed that can be really helpful is like if for folks who have an EAP and employee, I think it's employee assistance program at work, Mm -hmm. um, making sure that you have trans competent and race, um, racial justice competent, racial identity competent therapists and healthcare um, or mental health providers on the list and do that work ahead of time. Have those conversations with the therapists so that when a trans person comes and says, I need a gender competent therapist or a person of color comes and says, I need someone who can actually hold me around race the employer Mm -hmm. is ready to go and doesn't have to go and like check in with the therapist and be like, I'm sorry, we don't have anyone like see the prop, see the potential problems happen ahead of time Mm -hmm. and make sure that that's available. I really invite folks to have like anti-oppression policies, even though sometimes they're not like HR legal, but um, it's really easy right now for folks, for white folks, for example, to claim that harassment is happening by a person of color when really they're, preying on the person of color when they're activated, like their own trauma is getting confused, but there's no, um, there's no anti-racism policies for actually for allowing that person of color to also have support when there's an HR complaint against them. And what, and that's actually changing more and more. Um, some public like public radio in New Hampshire has a great racial justice policy in place and more and more organizations are trying to actually get, um, policies in place so that when the next racist event happens, there's actually support for staff um, or the next transphobic event happens, there's support for staff. Yeah. I had more, I had more on my little to-do list or checklist, but I'll, I'll pause there because I can't remember what they are right now. We can build a checklist out as we go. Yes. Yeah. Sounds great. I, I really appreciate those. Yeah. And the, you know, the, you know, this, this whole idea of like, who are the most, the, who is most likely to be erased in the moment. And I think I would like kind of steer a little bit towards the the audience here. Right. And, and say like, it's, it's, it seems like a really good question to be tracking is I think in the, you know, in the way that I've been holding it typically is generally is generally um, through with a racial lens, but I'm really appreciating that it's like, Oh, wait a minute having to look at all of these intersections and wondering like when something is unfolding in a room around me, who am I likely to miss? You know, especially given my positionality, who am I most likely, especially if I'm activated, who am I most likely to just not even see in the room? Because that's, you know, that, that is an, or is an identity that is supposed to be invisible to me or something, something. So I'm just really appreciating that as a, as a, as like a tool. I appreciate that, Greg. I think as you were saying, like, who am I most likely to erase and kind of thinking about the audience as well. I think another question that comes in for me is like, 
And how am I seeing each of these individuals? Like Mm. not just who's being erased, but how am I seeing each human in their fullness and systems of oppression want us to filter, right? Especially white leadership filter through and only see people as this one part of themselves. And I think Dylan, the example you brought in of um, the queer black woman um, who was navigating both racism and homophobia at work, you know, she may have had a boss who was tracking race, right. But not seeing her as a queer woman. Right. And so how much more, um, how much more we can move towards healing when folks in leadership aren't just tracking one part of identity. And I say that not to like overwhelm everyone who's listening, like, oh my gosh, now I just started learning how to like track my own racism, how to notice when it's coming up in the workplace, um, how to repattern. And just as a reminder, I I shared this in my check-in or in my intro um, that it's, it's another layer, but it's it's very similar. It's not another thing that we have to figure out entirely how to do. It's just like even hearing you, Greg, kind of like appreciate and notice that this is something you want to grow in. It's not like out of thin air, something totally different. And I don't want to say, I don't say that to discredit um, the queer community or gender because I keep using that in this example. Um, but I think it could go the other way because there are plenty of white folks that are way more versed in gender and mm-hmm. um, the queer community than they are in race. So just want to name that mm. piece. I just know your podcast has been focusing more on race too. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's worth, worth mentioning. Yeah. Well, Dylan, um, do you want to bring us into the story question? I could share a little bit of framing around it unless you want to bring us right in. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Go ahead and bring, yeah. Go ahead and bring some framing into it. Can I really quick before you do that? Can I just just name for the listener like you know the idea behind a story question is a an experience to actually invite us into a, a scenario in which we're actually getting to kind of play a role. It's kind of almost like a simulation, is what it's always felt like to me, and wanting to invite the listener to actually contemplate the question. Right, so it could be an opportunity for you to hear the question listen to the scenario, hear the question, pause and think about what you, you know, what you would do. You can listen to Shannon and I's responses and then our discussion and see what that unpacks for you. But it's a, it's a, it's a really useful tool that we've experienced. And yeah. So just wanted to name that. Yes, Greg. Um, I love being on y'all's podcast because you can frame as well. It's so beautiful. (laughs) Um, yeah, I think another thing I would just add to that is, um, as we, as a, a group here of white folks, are looking to undo our racism, we've used story questions um, also to get into the practice space and out of our heads as much. Because mm. we mm-hmm. could, the four of us, just talk about the intersection between gender and race and talk about it, and it could be interesting and we can have all the things, um, but to actually get some of that repatterning in. So, um, in a moment, we will invite you if you're driving or, you know, cooking or cleaning dishes to like take a moment to drop into like a little bit more awareness. So you might even pause and come back to this or listen to it one time through and come back when you have a little more space to really imagine yourself in the work environment that Dylan will um, introduce. 
And as much as you can, um, we invite you to be with what's really true for you, not what you think if we were all in the room is the right thing to say or the most aware answer. Um, and we'll, we'll invite Shannon and Greg in that way as well. But um, the idea behind this is to get some repatterning happening in our nervous systems and our hearts and our minds so that we're not just talking about undoing um, racism, undoing transphobia, homophobia. So I will pass it to you, Dylan, to bring us to the scenario. Thanks, Jenny. Um, yeah, and I think before I say anything, I just want to name like this scenario and this whole conversation, right? Like brings in this whole podcast. It brings in people that aren't represented here on the podcast, right? Like we're bringing mm-hmm. this one, for example, we'll have a, a black man and a trans non-binary person in it. And like, we don't have any black folks on this podcast. And so we can bring this in and, and process it. And also just want to name, like there will be gaps in awareness that, that I have. And I think that we all will have. And um, just want to just, I guess, name the imperfectness of it. I think it's really mm-hmm. important that we do have these conversations as white folks. And we try to work on this together um, but even though, and like, there's a trans non-binary char- character and I'm trans and non-binary, but I am one person, right. And in that community, and there are thousands of other people in that community, in this community that might disagree um, with how we navigate this situation and this scenario. So I just want to, I guess, name that and humanize and bring, bring other folks into the space as we, as we start this conversation and just to keep them in mind. And also just deep gratitude for y'all being willing um, to be put on the spot and like process and model in real time, like what listeners can do as well. Often we don't have these conversations because we're too afraid of being called out or called in or canceled or, you know, whatever the words are, like we'd rather just not have these conversations and then these cycles continue in our workplaces. So um, just feeling really grateful for y'all in having this conversation too. So Hmm. I want to invite you both to imagine a workplace environment imagine all of our listeners to imagine a workplace environment and it can be your actual workplace environment or kind of like an imaginary um, one like an office an office space you can put some cube cubicles in there or some corner offices or whatever um, whatever might feel kind of normal to you um, but just take a moment to place yourself in in this workplace um, visually. Just invite you to notice some of the objects that are around you. Maybe it's computers or indoor plants, like maybe a conference room. Invite you to notice any noises that you're hearing. Maybe coworkers chit-chatting behind you. Maybe you hear the whirring of computers or the sound of birds outside the window notice any smells there's kind of like a smell of office air that can come in or the smell of coffee or someone's food and you can hear the hear the phone ringing or like the tip tap typing of the computer keyboards So you're in a leadership position in this organization, in this company, and a person, one of your employees comes to you one day and says, and seems pretty activated and upset. 
So they're coming to you in your office and they're saying, oh, John is, John is giving me such a headache. He is refusing to use his client's pronouns. And John is a cisgender black man at your office. He's been working with you all for several years. And this has been an ongoing problem that you've had. And this particular client is a proud out trans non-binary person who uses she, her, and they, them pronouns. And John keeps misgendering them and is saying that he refuses to use these chosen pronouns. And so in this moment, I just invite you to notice what's coming up in your body, what body sensations you're feeling, if there are any stories coming up or any memories or any emotions or feelings. When you're ready, just slowly reminding yourself that you're in the present moment as well as in this scenario. So that could look like softly blinking your eyes open and looking around. As you come back, I just want to invite and appreciate, and I know this is really vulnerable, especially to do on a podcast that you're that you're leading, right? Like to be put in the hot spot when you're also facilitating is particularly vulnerable. So just want to appreciate you both and wondering if either of you are willing to share like what, what came up for you in that scenario. Sure. I guess I'll go first since I've started talking. I was noticing not feeling as blank as usual when, you know, scenarios are presented and I imagine trying to respond. So that felt like worth noting, feeling, you know, curious about the, so it was a cisgender black man, just curious about what was up for him. And also really aware of my own positionality as a cis white woman Yeah. And just feeling like where I can be harmful in like escalating the situation in a way that he gets in trouble in an outsized way, perhaps in an amplified way, like compared to how a cisgendered white man might be. So I'm feeling aware of that. I'm curious. I didn't track and I, this is interesting to me. So it's a non-binary person and I didn't remember race. So either that's an, I don't know if I was like activated and that didn't come in for me. Um, and so I'm sitting I may, here feeling I like I have c- said it too. Oh, okay. I, oh, that they're, could be. they're white. They're, this client is trans and non-binary and white. Yeah. Trans, trans, non-binary and white. Yeah. And feeling, feeling protective of the trans non-binary white person And so the fact that I'm white and they're white makes that even more interesting. Yeah. And just feeling the struggle of, I think, not wanting to center the trans non-binary person because they're white. And I just forgot what I was going to say. So I think that's just also like the complexity and the confusion of like, ah, Um, like who's, who's the person to center whose needs. I mean, it's very confusing to me. I, I think of the trans white person as being more marginalized and more oppressed and in a more dangerous position somehow. And I don't know if that's 
true. Uh, but that's something I find myself thinking about. And I think, yeah, I'll stop there. I just, yeah, feeling the confusion of all of that for sure. I don't even know what I would say. You didn't ask me what I would say. I didn't. <laughs> so right. I think yet. I'd have to ponder that. So that'll give Greg space to share. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you so much, Shannon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hmm. I could feel all kinds of mixed complex emotions moving through me. You know, it's, it is interesting putting myself in the seat of a leadership in a, in a, in an organization. And, you know, my, my wife is in a leadership in her organization and we talk a lot about that. And so like, I have felt very much felt the kind of like the, the bind that, that, that sort of position can create the power like dynamic that can happen. And that's, so I can feel that in my body. I found myself running through scenarios, you know, like, like a desire to connect with John, right. Was his name, the, mm-hmm. the cis black man. Yeah. Yeah like wanting to reach to him as, as a man, like reach man to man, like as like to, in order to find that place of connection. And then at the same time, I could feel this track in me that's going like, yeah. And is that an actual place of connection? Like how well do I know John? How, what is our relationship? What is the power dynamic? You know, how does he experience the power dynamic? How would he experience me reaching to him as like trying to move beyond the power dynamic into just kind of like two men to have a conversation about this sort of a thing. Um, is that possible? So second guessing all of that, which started to kind of trigger a bit of a freeze response in me of just kind of like, ah, ah, ah like, and I can almost feel that kind of like, oh shit, this is the part of being a leader. I don't, <laughs> I wouldn't want this job. Like, I don't want it. Ah. Like, and then it kind of almost becomes a little, as I, even I'm saying it, it almost feels like two years old. Just like, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, like that, that kind of feeling. And, uh, and also the part of me that, I can feel it's like, I got to get this right. This has to, I got to nail this somehow, fix this problem in a way that has everybody feeling good. Like everybody at the end of this is like, we're all good. And that just feels in the, in the, when I take a step back and look at that, the impossibility of that feels almost overwhelming. Yeah. I'd leave it there for now. I'd like to add in one more thing that I became aware of. It's like, I was like, okay, tell me more about John's energy, you know, because I find myself wondering about my own safety in that moment. Um, I mean, that that felt true. Um, so just add that in as the complexity of the black man. And as Aaron always inviting me to think about as a white woman, the black brute that I carry inside of me and how I view black men. So, so just think it would matter how safe I felt greatly influence what I did or didn't do. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have the same privilege that Greg has to just like reach, reach man to man in that and like automatically feel some, even though you do have power over um, John in this scenario, right. Um, As boss, but there's still the the gender aspect, right. Um, Mm -hmm. It's huge. Thank you for bringing that in. Well, and I think, um, this is Jenny, and I want to normalize too that for your listeners, they they may have a kiddo who's recently come out as gender queer or trans, um, and so each of us with our different positionalities, as we listen to this scenario, has different things being activated and coming up. 
Um, and just Greg and Shannon, thank you for your willingness to, to share. I'm appreciating that each of you kind of had your own moment of kind of like, ah, or I don't want to like, Greg, I think it's so helpful, like on this podcast to hear you say like, I, I kind of want to be two years old and I don't want to do this job. You know, that's one of the reasons we do these scenarios so frequently mm-hmm. in our work, um, is because that feeling is so shared with with folks in leadership who haven't had training in this way, who have been taught to ignore and see everyone as the same. And then all of a sudden, all these complexities are here. And it's a lot to try to figure out alone inside of your own head. And I know that that both, both you, Shannon, and Greg are actively working to create something different in your community. But um, just appreciate you both taking taking some time to be with what's coming up and wanting to normalize for the listeners. Um, each of us has a different piece that comes up on different days when we when we hear this. I again recommend re-listening to this section, you know, a week from now or whatever, and seeing is something different here mm-hmm. based on, you know, family, friends, your community, what you're listening to in the news. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I so it's hard for me not to go into like the full like here's like because we can navigate this particular scenario for four weeks, right? right. Um, we could do an hour a day just on different parts of this scenario. Like, I want to bring in other pieces. Like, the trans non-binary client is saying she's not going to work with your company or pay your company or um, what have you until this gets addressed until they're starting to be gendered correctly by your employee. John's energy. Y'all have a pretty good relationship. Like in terms of workplace energy, y'all have been working together for years. He respects you, you respect him. So it's, um, I can, there, I can get into more on that, but he's been working there for a long time. He comes from a more, um, conservative background. So, and we can get into that in a moment, but he can reach for conservative clients that other folks in the space can't reach for. That makes sense. Um, so he's really good with um, clients that come from more conservative background. And um, and then the other thing I want to add is, is there's you have another employee who's black and trans and non-binary, and they're watching this whole scenario happen too. And they're watching um, and activated by it for a few different reasons, right? Um, so just want to bring them into that this space too. So as you can tell, there's a lot of different places that we go. I want to honor the time in the podcast format today. Um, but I think one of the most important things to just honor and be with is like how many different pieces can really separate cisgender Black folks who are not a part of the queer community and white LGBTQ folks who are not people of color. Um, but are a part of the queer community. I remember one time I was talking with actually the client that this scenario is based off of, which was a a white woman in leadership came to me and was like, can I fire this man who's being really transphobic to clients? Um, He's a black man. And I said, not yet. (laughs) Let's let's try not to yet. Um, Because how many anti-racism trainings has, have y'all gone through? And she was like, oh, none. And we're like, okay, how many times has he, noticed racism happening in the workplace and has not felt comfortable or safe to talk about. And she was like, Oh, probably a lot. And what it would feel like to have to be punished for this one mistake around gender when he's not supported around so many mistakes around race. Right. 
Um, and I got the gift of talking to this man for every, every week for weeks. And he was like, I won't use pronouns. I won't, I so he was like, I'm nothing against y'all. I just, I can't use pronouns. I'm not going to do that. And I didn't come at him with an agenda or told him like why it was so important to use pronouns. We just started talking about our shared experiences. Mm-hmm. And I remember there was a day that he was shocked. He was shocked. And I was shocked that he was shocked that I had been fetishized a lot as a trans person, as a trans masculine person that people mm-hmm. would like come up to me in bars and like pet me um, and like be like, wow, this is, you're amazing. And like, like strangers, right? Like, and he was like, that happens to me too. And then we started talking about like this fear that we would never be fully loved or accepted by a partner. So we would take whatever attention we could get. Right. Um, which again, plays out in the workplace too, because we have that energy of that, like fear of rejection or fear of not being loved. Mm -hmm. Um, and just noticing how many things we had in common. Like he was, he was upset at the trans community for how much attention we were getting in the media. But I was like, wait, but what kind of attention is it? You know, it's, we're a joke. We're mentally ill. Um, we're not being portrayed well. And he was like, oh my gosh, that happens with us too. Like we're portrayed either as criminals or as sports stars and nothing else. Um, and so noticing there's this myth and reality that we're really separate, but we face somewhat similar issues. And I'm not Mm -hmm. confused. Like white trans folks have never been enslaved. We've never been redlined. Like there's so many differences. Um, and I don't want to just erase it all and be like, we're all one because I'm not confused of the privilege that I hold being white and perceived as masculine in this world. Um, but I also know that violence against trans folks is really intense in prison, for example, we're really afraid of going to the doctor because of discrimination. We're really afraid of speaking up to our employers because if we get punished, there's so many less opportunities for employment for us and so many less opportunities for economic well-being. And so there are many different aspects um, of things that we share in common. That if we were able to just come together and fight together, that it would be really amazing. I'm not confused about all the reasons why. But for me, like coming from a conservative place in Idaho, like a lot of my family comes from the church um, and they taught me and other people that being queer or trans was a sin, right? Mm -hmm. And chances are John is, um, well, actually, you know, John, right? Like (laughs) you've known him for years. He goes to church every single week. And what is such a pivotal place away from the racism of white people than the black church? But some black churches also teach, not all, but some also teach that being gay is a sin or being trans is a sin. And so how do we reconcile that together in a workplace where we're trying to be diverse and supportive of everyone, of clients and staff? We're trying to be extra supportive of everybody's well-being. But what happens when that clashes with two marginalized folks? So that's the short of it. (laughs) Kind of fast forwarded a few weeks there. Um, but I just wanted to bring that in so that we can really wrestle with that question um, of like, what would we do? And I appreciate Shannon, what you brought in around, how would I want to make sure I didn't escalate this beyond what was necessary mm-hmm. as a white woman in this, especially because many of us white folks, we're like, we can wrap our heads around queerness more than we can around um, race. Mm-hmm. And so how do we not over center each um each of these two pieces you brought in like who's more marginalized and i don't i don't know the answer to that and i don't know if it's 
actually like helpful to pick apart, but just holding like both of these folks are extremely vulnerable in this situation mm-hmm. and some sort of feedback and education needs to happen, maybe in both parties, um, but also in support of the black trans person that works there too. Like mm-hmm. how do we make sure that there's some support around pronouns, but that it's done in a sensitive and dignified way so that John doesn't just feel like he's being punished by his white boss. Yeah. So there's a lot of different pieces here, right? Um, but I'll pause, I'll pause there to see what y'all think or feel. Jenny, I feel like I saw you. Yeah. I think it's, it's interesting to give this story question and and give it like 20 minutes. (laughs) Um, I think (laughs) that's some of what I'm feeling over here, Dylan. I know you said it out loud a couple of times. Um, I think I would just bring in like often where we go after the question of, you know, for you as a listener in this story question, what com- what's coming up for you? Um, and I want to notice too, uh, Shannon, I really appreciated your awareness of who you feel more protective of. I think mm-hmm. that's a really good question. We could start adding into our programming of like, who do you feel more protective of? Like just naming mm-hmm. it, right? Because then when we often go, like we want to be like everyone. I'm in. I'm a leader, and I'm. I don't. I feel equal. You know, it's like that's just not real most of the time. Some of the time it is, but um, so who do you feel more protective of? And then for each of the people in the scenario, so you have um, the trans client, you have um, John, the cis black man, and you have the employee, the white. I believe it's the white employee. I don't think this person had a name today, um, but coming to you frustrated with John. And so we often slow folks down to come up with questions that you have for yourself and then also questions for each of those individuals. Like mm-hmm. then we would give, give space to be in the questions because I think Greg, some of what you named, which I'm imagining so many of us were feeling in that moment of like, okay, overwhelm, don't know what to do. Want everyone to be okay, better, not harmed. And like the unrealisticness of that in in the society we live in, but the desire in white leadership to have that be an outcome, the mm-hmm. questions kind of help us slow that down. Um, and so that's that's just another area that we might go into and then we might move into in programming, like role playing with um, how do you talk to this white employee who's very activated by John? How Both of you, Shannon and Greg, kind of went into like, what's my relationship with John, right? And that could be another... Um, place to explore as well. So there's a lot more that we do with that. Um, But Dylan, thank you for bringing this, unfortunately, very real life in multiple different instances at this point scenario in. These aren't just made up situations for the fun of it. This is, um, like you said, very clearly today, real life um, scenarios. So Mm -hmm. could we actually go into that a little bit, Jenny, that just invite Shannon and Greg to come up with a few questions that they either have for themselves or other people in the scenario. Yeah. If that's okay. That's a great idea. As long as we have, I want to respect the time and I'm not sure in closings and stuff, what feels good to you, Greg and Shannon. It's true. I think think we have some time. Okay. Yeah. I'm uh, so questions that I would have for myself or for others. Well, I mean, I, you know, it's interesting. Something, one of the things you shared Dylan just a couple of minutes ago was like, um, what's, I think it was you Dylan, who, like, what's the, the experience that well, like, what, how many anti-racism trainings have happened? How many, like, what, what is, what is happening in this company around diversity, equity, inclusion, just like, you know, from that frame, um, in general, 
Um, and, and how does that include gender? And, and I, I think, cause one of the, one of the things that comes up for me when I think about that is how easy it would be to be, how easy it would become for all of this to become some kind of initiative that gets put in the play, like HR now is going to come in with a bunch of trainings and blah, 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 that, which I, I don't want to totally discount, but oftentimes they're so very check the box. They're not about culture change. They're not about like, how are we actually figuring out human to human and, and within this place, how are we going to be, how are we going to transform this, you know, these systems that, that live within us that are, that are beyond this organization, beyond this company. So you know, I guess, I guess that would be, that would be some of it would be like, for me, I guess that, you know, a question that I would be holding for myself is what is, what is a, what is a first move here? Is the first move more data or information? You know, I'm, I'm hearing from this person, what she's saying, do I need to have a conversation with John? Do I need to have a conversation with the client to try to understand the full picture that's happening? What is the impact that the, is on the client? You know, you, you gave a little bit away, Dylan, about like, okay, the client's obviously, the client is upset. They, what is going on with John? What is John's background? And then I guess, you know, another question for myself would be like, where, who do I, who can I talk to that can actually help me get out of my, out of my overwhelm? You know, I always come back to that, you know, that resume medicum question of like, who are your people, you know, and, and mm-hmm. who are, who are the, the places, you know, where are the places that, that we, you know, that we can go and, and wrestle with the, I don't want to, you know, like, is there a place where I can go and process and say like, Oh, this is so hard. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. Just so I can at least get it out of my system and get bolstered to actually have capacity to be in these conversations. Yeah. That's a little bit of what comes up for me. Mm -hmm. Mm. Thank you so much. Sorry, Jen. I was just saying, thank you. Appreciate it. Appreciate you being in some of the questions. I really appreciate that question of like what really happened here. Like just yeah. noticing who came to you with information is neither John nor I think we only named John in this space. Um, we didn't name any of the other folks, but John, John or the the non-binary client, right? Like it's not you're not hearing from the source of who's feeling harmed or maybe saying saying the harm or the hurt. Um, you're hearing from an activated third party right. and that person might be escalating it or changing it or using their own lens. So I really appreciate you bringing that in. And Shannon, how about for you? And your questions might be totally different and really welcome that in because there's so many ways we can have curiosity. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for going first. Greg gave me a chance to get a few things together. I was having, I was having like HR thoughts mm. myself. It's like, how do we keep them out of this? you know, whether that's the right call or not, but that's where I went. And I think noticing, I think I would like, what's my own emotional defense that's coming up or my own, uh, like Greg, when you were saying, I want everything to be okay. My people pleasing, you know, might be to like try and go get harmony. So like, what's my motivation? And I noticed in myself really wanting to be relational and like, what's needed here for you, John? What's needed here for you, client? What's needed here for you, other person who's watching um, and being impacted and noticing in that too, like, I don't know, it feels like there's something else to track. I don't know what it, like, how do I not get triangulated or how do I not center myself or become the broker of something that's not mine? Like how I could, that could become control. So I find myself thinking about how does it become 
I don't know what the end of that sentence is, but I just find myself aware of like the slippery slope of wanting to be a relational intersecting with my own stuff of wanting to keep harmony. So those are some of the <laughs> big thoughts and questions that went through my, my head as I thought about what I would want to do next. I did notice in my body, a bunch of relief, Dylan, when you said, Oh, you have good relationship with John. Uh, and I was like, Oh, okay. Then, mm. then I feel a lot less uh, panicked is too strong of a word, but I, I feel like, okay then at least I trust that there's enough relationship to have a conversation kind of lean into that a bit, trying to stay aware of my power as a person in leadership. So those are some of my Thanks, Shannon. thoughts. There were two, two big things. I really appreciate what you said. And I'm trying to remember, Oh yes. Keeping it relational. Like how do we keep this relational? I didn't share the end of the story because I'm a Gemini and I often will start one story and end another story. And people are like, wait, what's the end of this story? And what's the start of the other one you ended with? But um, I will, I will say that through the the conversations with this person, um, both the black man and the, the white female boss, some of what came through is like, he did start using the correct pronouns within like a couple weeks. Like it wasn't even, he was just like, Oh, I get it. Y'all are humans. I get what pronouns are. Okay. Let's do this because he has so much training in his body to see humanity in ways that many white folks we don't have. And it was so amazing to be t- talking and connecting with someone who both didn't believe that pronouns were real or the importance of them. But when he talked to me, he saw me as more human than most people, um, especially white people do, white cisgender people. And to be able to connect across those differences. And um, I didn't, he didn't even like really tell me he was using the correct pronouns. I think his boss, when I was on the call, he was like, she was like, oh yeah, he's using the correct pronouns now. Um, Cause it wasn't about that for him. It was like, how do we connect as humans? And with the, the, white boss it was like how do we integrate racial justice work every day into this space too so that her employee didn't have to feel that tension of like he's getting punished around gender Mm -hmm. but nothing is changing around race or what have you um and so and i also really appreciate shannon what you brought in around like trying to not make it about yourself as a leader and like what your capacity is i feel like such wisdom because it's so easy to just get lost in the overwhelm of a scenario that would never exist if you just had employees that look like you or had your lived experience. Right. And so we have all these like diversity initiatives or what have you in workplaces, but we don't yet get into the weeds of like, what does it actually look like to support a diverse workforce or diverse Mm -hmm. clients Mm -hmm. and support them in really human ways that go beyond, like we took a picture of them on our website. So Mm -hmm. we look better, right? Like how do we actually make sure people feel safe and good and comfortable in the space, um, including this trans non-binary black person who is wondering, like, will there be education about pronouns? Will it be done in a racist way? Will this black man lose his job? Will he be supported as a human in this process? Will I be supported as a human in this process? So again, just bringing it back to the workplace and the folks that are most marginalized watching this, it can be so easy as a leader to get lost in our own overwhelm for not having had this lived experience before. Um, instead of focusing on the people that are most impacted by this scenario. So just really mm-hmm. appreciating your wisdom in that too, Shannon and Greg, what you brought in Resma's question of like, who are my people? Like, who can I go to? So I 
stay centered in this mm. feels huge. So thank you both. Yeah. What you're saying brings me back to something we quote a lot yeah. on this podcast, which is the Patrice Palmer quote of there's a difference between you were welcome here and I had you in mind. And, you know, everything you just said, like, just, that's just like the bullseye of, of that statement. It sounds like to me is like, you know, and I, and I think about this, you know, from the lens of organization, sure. And then as facilitators, like, what does it mean to design and hold space in mixed company with exactly what you're talking about. What are the things that, what are the, you know, the things we need to be thinking about as, you know, especially like, you know, for folks like Shannon and I who are um, cis white folks, you know, like what are the things that are likely to get missed here? And, um, and how can we be supportive and be creating spaces that are not just about, welcoming better about belonging as, as best as possible. Recognizing that I, I have zero doubt. I'm not at all confused about the, the likelihood of stepping in it like a lot. Yeah. I feel really struck by today, Dylan, the, how do we support people? You know, it's not a problem to be fixed, which is what I feel like the energy is a lot, but how do we support people? And I don't think we know how, um, yeah. Yeah. You know, but that's where we're learning. But support just feels so different than like, let's solve this problem and make HR happy and get it all like, can we take it slow? Can we take some time? Can we not know at the same time that minimizing the harm that's yeah. happening? Because also just sitting there and, and things also feels tricky um, too. So probably unwinding the conversation that we're trying to yeah. <laughs> wind up. But that also just occurred to me. So appreciate being able to be in this with you too. Yes. Yeah. And I'm tracking the time here and I want to respect yours because then we're, we're at the, we're actually crossed our, uh, our appointment time and I'm, I know you both are very busy. So, um, yeah, this is like, I, I just want to keep, I just want to keep going in this conversation with you and it makes probably makes sense to wrap up. Um, I just want to name one, yeah. one thing, um, in response, Shannon, to what you had shared that, and I feel like it connects to this idea of like supporting versus like fixing a problem, um, which I so appreciate just renaming over and over again. Um, but Shannon, you were naming the black trans person who's watching this all go down. And just the fact that you as a person in white leadership were naming that, noticing that, because oftentimes it's the white employee who comes and is complaining about John that's going to get a lot of attention and a lot of energy. And so I just want to name like in this practice of you noticing and going, what's going on for them? How can I support her? Um, that feels really uh, important. And just like, a, just wanted to notice that. Yeah. Thank you, Jenny. Yeah, are there any, any last thoughts that, that you want to leave in before we kind of start to wrap up? I don't think so. Okay. Just, well, just, yeah, go ahead, Dylan. Oh, just gratitude for you both mm. um, and gratitude for the folks listening and working on this. And yeah, just naming again, we brought in positionalities that are not present in the room. And if, just if that brings up anything for folks, we're really open to hear that. Um, mm. Yeah, just want to name the complexities of what it means to try to have these conversations versus not having them at all means that, yeah, we're not, we're definitely not going to get everyone's representation 
correct or everyone's experience correct. So just want to yeah. name that and name care for that. And also just yeah. feel such deep gratitude for you, Greg and Shannon, for wrestling with this scenario live. Um, I just have so much admiration and, and respect and appreciation for you both for doing that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think I also like uh, speaking to our listener again, I imagine some of you wonderful people in my mind. And I also imagine some of you wonderful people where I can go to, which is like, yeah, but what do I do? Would you please tell me exactly what I was supposed to have done in that conversation? Like back to the checklist. Dylan, could you put that in the show notes? <laughs> and um, we're just going to say no. <laughs> uh, and you know, like my heart is with you all listener in that space. And I think I've learned it's so important to just sit with the, all the questions and all the discomfort and all the, I don't know. Um, yeah. And just that's there, there it is. Um, and certainly we could, I mean, I guess I don't even know if I would venture to say things to do and not do. That's like the next podcast. I think that's way down the line. First is all of the noticing and all of the feeling and all of the learning about what does come up for me and my questions and where can I go learn about what's coming up before I ever make a move? One thing that's beautiful is that there, there are places and ways that folks can get to learn from you too and even work with you. So how do folks find you and what do you want to plug? Folks can find us on transintimate.com um, and also with holisticresistance.com. Um, we are running a white caucus space um, I don't know when this is going to air. July 6th feels very close. <laughs> so, but there will be, there's a couple spots left in that. So um, that's a four month journey. And then we're also running a um, training for folks who facilitate white caucus spaces. And that's starting July 11th. 11th. Thank you. July. for yeah, I think it's July 9th and 11th or something oh, like that. Oh, nice. So a little bit farther. Time. July 9th for the four month and July 11th for an eight week series. Um, and those are all on virtual space. So we have people from all over the country and sometimes world in those. Um, and also we offer one-on-one consulting. Um, Dylan and I do a lot of work as they named in the beginning of the podcast with parents of gender expansive kids um, trans kids, gender queer kids. Uh, we also work with schools quite a bit with race and gender. We, we do lots of different work. Dylan, is there anything I missed? I don't think, I don't think anything that's relevant. I can always come up with more things to say, but yeah, reach out anytime, um, through either organization. We love to be involved. We love to be involved with y'all. If anyone wants to pick apart this scenario more or practice, uh, practice responding in the moment and practice their response plan over the next days and weeks. Uh, reach out, reach out to us. Yes. And then we'll make sure the links for, for all the, all that stuff is in the show notes. Yes. Awesome. You can find it there. Thank you, Greg and Shannon yeah. for just continuing to yes. continuing to reach out and be in relationship and, it's been such a gift to get to know your hearts over so many years now. It's kind of wild to think back and um, thank you for choosing to have us on your podcast and for caring deeply about the intersection of gender and race. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
Thank you so much. Yeah, it's it, it's been truly wonderful getting to to work with you and learn from you and get to know you and uh yeah it's been it's been a blast and we have to meet at more sway wild shows down the road yes that's right <laughs> especially sway wild sister string shows that's right oh yeah yeah yes yes <laughs> yes. yes yeah so yeah thank you so oh much gosh. yes any 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 last words shannon no just deep gratitude for for you too, Jenny and Dylan and Greg, just here's to more and we hope you'll come back on our podcast and we just so appreciate it. So Love too. Yes. thank you. Here's to more. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Goodbye, goodbye for now. For now. Yeah. Right. Thanks so much. Yes. Thank okay. you. Thanks y'all. Mm-hmm.